Welcome to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast powered by Guardian Caps. Guardian Caps are a one-size-fits-all helmet cover that help reduce impact for your players during practice. Coach Perry is a huge proponent of Guardian Caps after using them at Pearl High School, and it was one of the first football items he purchased when taking the job at Nixon. Caps are mandated by the NFL for O-line, D-line, linebackers, tight ends, and running backs, and utilized by over 270 colleges, over 3,000 high schools, and over 600 youth programs across the country. As helmets become more and more expensive, the Guardian Caps also do a great job of protecting your helmet investment. See the link in our show notes for more information on Guardian Cap. In each episode, John takes you on a journey of growth, learning, and endless improvement. Whether you're an athlete, coach, or someone simply just striving to get better, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, John Perry. All right, welcome back to the early week edition of Never Stop Getting Better. Today is going to be a little bit unique. Today is going to be a conversation with the inner circle. The inner circle is a, uh, it's really a group text is what it really is of three other people and myself where we bounce ideas off of each other and send positive things and just try to add value to other people's lives. So, you know, part of this will be um, you know, just how we kind of use it. And from time to time, we will jump on a Zoom, share a topic, talk about it. Four minds has got to be better than one, right? So especially if the one mind is mine. Um, so these other three help me to be better. Um, but on here will be Chance Potts, who is uh, Nixon, Missouri, uh, coaches with us, runs several businesses, good friend of mine. Chris Yeager, head coach at Mountain Brook High School in Birmingham, Alabama, the Yoda of high school football and overall nutrition um, um, genius, okay? And then we have Phil Wickwar, who was my defensive coordinator here in uh, Nixon, Missouri, who has a wealth of experience under his belt in in all different walks of life, you know, um, but retired and is now uh, managing the – largest um, lawn business in in Springfield, Missouri or Southwest Missouri. So he's got his hands full. But first of all, you know, thank you guys for coming on here. And um, without further ado, we're going to get started. And this is how this is how um, this call happened was I watched a Jesse Itzler 24 minute turned into a 59 minute video. You can probably find it on YouTube, but it talked about how he cleared out 2023 and how he planned for 2024. And I thought, man, this is awesome. Like for me personally, I need to be better at planning. Okay. So, you know, this is what we're going to get into, but without further ado, let me let these guys say hello, Chance. Opening shot. Yeah, man, I am thankful to be here. You know, you've, you've made a huge contribution in my life, starting with my son, Reed, that you coached the first year that, you know, I was not coaching with you yet, but we became friends. And and you got my wife to get involved in personal growth and development, in which wow. she was not following me. Um, you know, a lot of spouses don't want to follow their spouses. But when you start pouring into a mom's son and you have a book club that, you know, you get the mom and the son both there now she's in it because you care about my son. And so I'm just thankful that that was kind of where we started. And, and we've had a lot of water under the bridge since then. But thankful to be here and be uh, learning from you guys today. Hey, let me ask you this, Chance. And and Chris and Phil, you know, tune in on this, okay? 
Chance and I had this discussion, you know, we do the, the mental performance training course and Chance brought this up. Should we offer that to our parents just for free? You know, just they're, they're, they're our parents of our program, you know, like what would be your thought on that? You know, on what are on what we should do, you know, as far as our group. And then because when you say that, I think about we have not done a book club. You know, we've not done a mental performance training lately like we did. Was that last year or the year before last? So, you know, what would Chris, what would you think about, you know, us offering that to our parents just free of charge, just, you know, as an opportunity for them to know some of the things that we're teaching them? I think it's a great idea. Um, you know, I took that idea and uh, I'm going to do something like this for my, because, you know, like if uh, you've got parents in your program and they've heard it, uh, I think one thing that could be really good is the people that are coming into your program. You mm -hmm. know, like there's a, there's a very distinct break in our program, people coming in, people going out. And so one of the things I'm going to do, is uh is to try and do it for our upcoming sophomores and do it almost like a mental performance training you know what are we trying to train in your son kind of thing an introduction into the program and uh you know so anyway that's where i'm at right now with with what you guys have been doing thoughts on that i mean what do you think about that man i think it's spectacular because i've never really thought about that intentionally that there is a break you know like we have a group of parents in our program that do understand what our program is about. And, you know, I think are involved and a part of, whereas those new ones coming in, you know, whether they be the eighth coming into the ninth or the ninth coming into the 10th, you know, like they really don't, I mean, they've heard, you're right. They, they've heard things, but there are two different levels of, you know, parents in our program, which I think, I've not done anything specifically to try to bridge that gap. You know, that gap bridges naturally, whether that's good or bad, right. Depending on who they're listening to, you know, but it would be better coming from me or you. Right. So, you know, I, I man, I think that's a great idea. Phil, what do you think about that? Uh, it reminds me a lot of what churches do. You mm. know, when people investigate a church, there's a class, you know, this is what we're about a transparency. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Because I think anything you do from a sophomore, junior, senior, if I'm sitting there for the third time listening to that, I don't need to listen to it for the third time. I'm already on deck doing my job. You know, I've already bought in. So I, I think it's brilliant. And to be more in depth, you know, this is what a supportive parent does. This is, you know, our pearls and prayer. This is, you know, somebody's got a haul that, I mean, you set it up. You know, I know we have this senior meeting that goes, this has to be done, senior step up. But if I'm already mentally preparing for that for two years, you know, I think it's absolutely spot on. I think it's really good. This, Chris. it could be extensive more than just a meeting. You know, it sure. could be a five five week class. This is a silly, this is a silly question. I know, Chris, but you know, like when I think about that, I think about like our parent meeting, you know, and we do what we do. Not we don't do a, a Chris Yeager parent meeting because I thought ours was really good until I saw yours and I'm like, eh, I got to get better, but we do do, I mean, and it lasts about an hour. Like it's a pretty good parent meeting, right? Or at least I think so. And there are parents sitting in there that's been in there three or four years that can recite it, you know, like, should there be two parent meetings? Should there be two different 
you know, how do you do that based on grade levels or has yours been all, all at once? Well, I do. I make it a requirement that they've got to attend the, the, the meeting to, in order for their son to get equipment. So they get a band. And so anyway, they are different and they're different for a couple of reasons. One, if you put them, this is what I've discovered. If you put them all in the same group, the younger parents, they'll have questions and they'll never ask the questions, you know? And so in their, in their group, in their environment, they're more comfortable asking questions and they have different questions. You know, they have questions uh, in, the, in the older group. It's just, they've heard it over and over and over and they know the answer. They can answer the question. So that's one thing. So what I do is I do a, a upcoming sophomore meeting. I do a varsity meeting and I do a makeup meeting. A makeup meeting is a longer meeting because you have to cover a little bit of both of it, you know? And so um, i tell you something else I'm doing too, John. And I just got, um, you know, I got to thinking about, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about where I need to get better. One of the things like with us, um, our parents drop off our sophomores. Our sophomores can't drive to school and we don't bust. And so anyway, they have to drop them off. And so anyway, I'm going to make it a point that when they drop them off, I'm going to be down there meeting those parents and get to know them before that meeting. I want to, I want, I, I've, uh, we did a thing where we took the picture of all of our sophomores. They held up their name and I'm trying to memorize. They, they come in, we, they start their semester with us. Their ninth graders about to be, second semester ninth graders they start their second semester with us so i want to know all their names but i want to get to know their parents too uh you know something i got from you too you know there used to be this thing where you know the coach would keep this professional distance from the parent the longer i'm going in this thing i don't know if that's a i don't think that's a good idea your thoughts on that yeah i, I you know like i think keeping that distance is it, for lack of a better word, is a lack of confidence in, you know, what you stand for and what you believe in, you know, like I get it, you know, like we don't want to get too close, but at the same time, you know, like if you, if you're confident in what you're doing and how you're doing it, you know, like I think having friends as parents and having friends close to the program, having the parents close to the program, like, you know, what's the deal? Now you may get burnt, right? You may get somebody that, you know, as a parent, you know, like they misconstrue those lines, but you know, like life's too short, you know, like I want to try to, I want to try to be or add value to everybody in our program, not just our kids, you know? So if I can help a parent, you know, why would I not, you know, for the sake of being professional and standing away from them? And I want to ask Chance about that because Chance will have a opinion on that I know but before I do that what is your ninth graders on your campus our ninth graders are not on our campus okay well so, I have felt like you know like like who does their parent meeting like an upcoming ninth grader you know like what do you do for them is there anything in particular or do those coaches handle that you know and you're strictly waiting on the upcoming sophomore meeting you know like how do you deal with the ninth grade? Well, I let the ninth grade coach uh, do that. But here's what I've started. I started last year and it started because the ninth grade coach one had a, a child in my program, but we have a seventh and eighth grade team too. And so I want them to attend my meeting and I'd really like for them to model their meeting after our meeting, you know, and so, uh, and it's not going to be a perfectly, uh, you know, sure. a perfect match because they're going to be different needs in the ninth grade that they'll have in the varsity. So, I let them handle that. I felt like if I handle that, 
that would that would rob them of an opportunity to grow. So, yeah. but I love that, and I think that's you know like that's something that I'll take from this because we have like our parent meeting has been nine through twelve. Well, we get into the season a little bit, and the ninth grade parents sometimes don't even understand how the band app works as far as you know like when I say high school football I mean 10 through 12 but their kids in high school because our our ninth grade is on our campus so it turns into this oh my gosh like they don't know you know and it's like I need to do I need to do that I need to do better by that all right um chance the thought of you know and and, and Chris I think this old school right 40 years ago Parents don't talk to the coach. Coach don't talk to the parents. You're off limits. You can't ask me about nothing. You know, like I'm the coach. I make all this, you know, and I'm perfect. And I, you know, like you can't tell me nothing and you can't add no value to me. And that's the way coaching was. Okay. No doubt about it. You know, that's the way I, you know, systems I played in. How dare you, you know, well, what makes that right? Right. I mean, like what makes that the correct way to do it? You know, I mean, this world is changing every single day and, you know, let's say I was to give you, and I heard Randy Jackson use this the other day as a coach. Let's say I was to give you a dial-up phone as a as a as a present for uh, Christmas. You know, just one of those old rotary phones. Like, is that really the way you're going to call and and call? You know, like no, you're you're going to get on your cell phone because technology has advanced itself. Well, in the coaching world, should we not advance ourselves if we're still coaching like we were 25 years ago? That don't, I mean, I don't know. That don't really make sense. So I guess my question, Chance, is, you know, that that keeping, you know, the coach keeping it professional and also versus having relationships with parents and being a little bit more uh, close, you know, to parents, what would be your take on that? As Because you kind of sit the fence, right? You're kind of on both. You're on both of those because you are a parent of a player, but you are also a coach. Yeah, I, and and for the longest time, I was obviously I've coached at the varsity level with you for three years, and prior to that, I was a youth coach for a long time. Um, but I've had four boys, thirty-one to fourteen, that have gone through just many, many years of youth sports at a, at a at least in that level at a very highly competitive travel level. And what I experienced, even at that level, was the coaches that wouldn't communicate to me clearly came across as the most insecure. And the the ones that would communicate were were really never had an issue in communicating with you because they were very confident in where they were and what they were teaching um, and what they were doing. Now, to the degree of how much time do you spend, I think that comes back to the three of you guys who have a lot more discernment and wisdom over how deep do you go, how much time do you spend, you know, what do you talk about specifically, you know, things like the big thing, like playing time. I don't know how much of that to talk about or not talk about relative to all the years you guys have been in it. It would, it's just to me when there was no communication or very little communication, not so much talking as much old school, although I had one of those um, very, very good high school football coaches who was ex Navy. And it was like, it's my way. And that's the way it's going to be. The general thing was, I just felt like it was just an insecurity, you know, and it could have been an insecurity in communication, maybe not an insecurity in what they believed was right. You know, it just may have been, Hey, I'm, I'm comfortable communicating over here with who I'm coaching, but that was just me on the outside looking in, you know, I'm not sure if it's, if it's right or not, Um, probably more right at the competitive youth level um, than maybe at the high school level where people are, you know, this is your full-time profession. That's not always the case for these young 27 year olds that are coaching these 
competitive basketball teams and don't know yet how to communicate, you sure. know, but they carry those into their full-time job too. Um, one of the thoughts I, I did wonder about, you know, as you guys were talking about parents is it's kind of like, and, and this may be a silly thought, but you know, when they, when they show up and they get that band, Chris, it's like, okay, you're on the team, right there. You're now on the team. You've got your, and so could there be levels of parent participation and growth in that? Like, they do this, they're on the team, but then if they were to participate in say a mental performance course or something else, maybe they volunteer, like we've got parents that are rock star parents, right? That really are a huge part of the program. Well, those parents could become all conference, all district, all state, whatever you wanna call it. But to be all state, maybe it requires that you're not just participating in the program and serving the program, um, but but you go above and beyond and I don't know, with us, maybe it's red, you know, the red line participation um, or could be participating in the mental mental performance, which is clearly something that would be going above and beyond. They're making themselves better. And we realize that is going to make their young man better or their kids as a whole or their family as a whole. Man, I, I think that's a great idea. And, you know, one that I would need to think on for a little bit, because who don't like to be a part of a team, right? Like they would be a part of a team too, you know, now my, you know, my thought is, is having everybody in our program on the same page, close, you know, fighting for the same goal is, is the goal, you know, now you're not always going to get them all, you know, like you're always going to have some that, you know, are set in their ways and, you know, don't want to do this or that, but, you know, having a group of parents and kids and grandparents that are, all in rowing the same way is important. And that's not going to happen by accident. Like that, that's going to require some communication. So let me ask this, like, let's talk to coach Wickwar because coach Wickwar was the head coach at Ranger junior college back in 1936 when Washington won the, uh, the Olympic in Berlin, um, you know, speaking on the, on the communicating with parents thing, because I know you've been full circle. Like I know you've, you know, I mean, gosh, 35, 40 years in the business, you know, like what, what, what's your take on that as far as getting them too close, not having them close enough? Like what would be your thoughts? Yeah. I, I, I great information in, in chances vision of, of a hierarchy or, a, or a development or a degree or promotion is fantastic. Chris's idea of intro class. Wow. You know, where were you guys? In 1927, when I started, uh, I really needed you. Uh, I think this, I, I, my perspective, because I've seen them both and I understand it. And people, you know, what, what, what some people, it's easy for us to say, okay, you know, Coach X is insecure. Coach X has a family, three little kids, and there's grumblings at the coffee shop. I mean, he, he, he might be insecure, not because he's not a uh, lawyer. He's insecure because he's fighting for his family, uh, you know, at, at Ava, Missouri, and people are starting to grumble. Here's, here's what I've seen. It's kind of like a blitz. You either keep bringing in more blockers and running one route, or you flood the routes and throw hot. You know, I think what we're talking about is flooding the routes, flood the communication. Um, I, 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 I think it's awesome. That's where your core values come in. That's where your mission comes in. That's where your vision comes in. And I'm going to hypothetically, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not thinking of an instance because I don't know who, but 
you got 300 parents up in the stands and we all know you're going to have a disgruntled parent. I mean, we all know you're going to have a disgruntled parent. And, and if that parent is of low character and they start squawking and you've had the communication and you've had the class and you have 300 parents rowing the boat, that person has no uh, uh, strength in that group. And that person it looks foolish. If you've barricaded yourself and you have wonderful ideas, you love the kids, you want personal growth, you want, but you haven't communicated with anybody. That person looks intelligent because you're down by two mm. touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I love and it. And that's what communication is to me, is is ex the exact same thing it is for your team. You have to give them, and I think what we're gonna eventually talk about if we get to chances for questions. You've got to have a direction and a tempo and a 1% better every day. And that's what we're talking. We're just talking about getting the parents in the boat. And I think it's brilliant. And it's awesome. They're great ideas. Well, I think that's awesome. I think you're, you know, and, and it kind of gets back to the purpose of having this little group is, you know, that thought of the coach, because also in 2023, you know, like how a coach can be attacked on social media, you know, like I have just watched this this past season with a great friend of mine, the way the social media comes after coaches and doesn't care. Like they don't care about your wife. They don't care about your kids. They don't care about anything. They're just trying to get a click on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, you know, to feed their own dopamine hit. Right. And, you know, like, a person that's, and you can't hide from that. You know, like we had a conversation the other day with this particular friend and like, you can delete all your stuff. You're still not going to be able to delete seeing the stuff. Somebody's going to send it to you. You know, they think they're, you know, doing you a favor by sending you a cop. What, what is this guy talking about? Well, when them thoughts get into your head, you know, like I've lived that we went four and seven one year and there was a guy that went on the local radio station talking about coach Perry's lost it. Coach Perry's not going to be able to – he can't run this program. It's time for a change. Um, that was 2015. 2017, we go 16-0 and 0 and win the state championship, and that same fellow was the first person to jump the fence and give me a hug. Like, I wanted to punch that dude so bad, man, but, you know, in the – I like just, hey, man, it's okay. Because like, that's the way people are. That's the way people are, you know. So you take that coach that's being attacked – Man, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. You want to talk about bringing parents in while you're under attack? Man, I don't know that anybody can do that because, you know, like that self-doubt, that negative voice, that gets to spinning. And, man, that's that's a bad place. You know, like I've been there. I'm, I'm sure everybody on here has been there in their life, you know, and that's, you know, that's a tough deal. So I, I appreciate you saying that because there are hey. coaches out there right now that's struggling. John, I just thought of one other huge byproduct that hit me in the face is is you got your parents on board rowing that boat and they understand what you're about. And you've got that young man that had a rough day at school. The little girl's not talking to him anymore. He went out and made some mistakes at practice and he goes home defeated or 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 against the you got you had two hours. Mom and dad's got four or five hours to bring him back around and refocus that young man on what the mission is. So, yeah. you know, that that's another byproduct of all the time and influence that parent has because they understand what you're trying to do. They understand the big picture. Sure. And that was 
the very first time we did the mental performance deal and opened it up for our parents was chances thought was who has as much of an impact on our kids than we have. And it's their parents, you know? So if we could give them some tools that we use, then, you know, that ought to help us right in the, in the long run. Anybody else got a thought about that before we move on, Chris? I got one, uh, John, one is, you know, I think that every one of us, like I think about when my seniors leave the program, I want to tell you, I love my kids. When a, when a senior leaves my program, there's a part of me, a piece of my heart that leaves with them. And when we go out in spring and they're not there, there's a part of me that's lost. And I know that I love my kids. I want them to have the best experience. I had great experiences playing. I've had great experiences coaching. I've had my day in the sun. I want them to have the same day. I want them to experience what it's like to be in a dress room when everybody has given their greatest effort and we've accomplished the goal and, and, and there's guys that are hugging one another. Where other, what other place and environment will a player hug another player? And, and how many times have you had players say, you know, coach, I love you. They say, I love you to one another. Guys don't do that. You know, in football, we get to experience the love language of playing an incredible game. That's what we want. So to me, that's, that's our end game. A parent's end game and our end game is different. The thing that we struggle it struggle with is the parents, we fight the thing they want to make it about. And it is, it's natural because I've, I've had sons that play. You want your son to have the best experience. You want their friend group. You want their class group. And so it's natural to want to divide that into our own personal interest. And so to, what we're doing is we're struggling to tell them, look, it's a, it's a paradox. If we can bring this thing together, regardless of your son's experience, he will have the best experience. They've never done this before. I've done this 42 times. Mm. I know what it looks like. They don't. And it's right. about educating them. And so, and it is, you know, like it all comes down to this. Most parents want the best 10 players and their son to play. That's what, but here's <laughs> what we do. We go into meet and I say, okay, let's talk about this now. Because if we spend energy talking about playing time, then we're, we're, we're investing uh, time in bad energy, in bad places where we could be, we should all be together focusing on the opponent. So let's play this video forward. I want everybody in this room to pretend this. Pretend your son's not playing. And let me tell you how this decision goes down for your son not playing. So I just go through that with them and say, look, I love your child. Your, your child has value to our program, regardless of whether he's a player or not. And, uh, and to me, I think if they, if they see the heart, you know, I shared this with you, John, we went through a thing this past year where the parents had a social event that really was detrimental to our team and they didn't see that. Well, was that a failure on the parents? No, it was a failure on me wow. because I didn't let them know ahead of time. Look, I didn't educate them and say, we weren't on the same page. If we're not on the same page, it's not their fault. It's my fault. And so anyway, that's where I said, when I've come up with these things, I spent a lot of time doing a lot of soul searching in the offseason saying, where can I close those gaps? And so really what I'm talking about right now is places to close those gaps. How can I like chance it? Get those parents in 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 Paul and Phil said, get those parents in the boat. Let's all row in the same direction, you know. You know what, Chris? <clears throat> you kind of remind me of Marcus Aurelius. You know what I'm saying? Like we should look for virtue in others and look for vice in ourselves. You know, like the the not blaming the parents because, you know, I do remember talking about that. And I do remember how 
upset you were, you know, but finding a way to prevent that in the future by communication is, you know, is going to do more good for everybody in the program than sitting there, you know, blasting a group of parents that, you know, you deem is, you know, not doing something best for the team. So I think that is absolutely awesome. And I think this, you know, if you, if you express that to your kids, you know, the love and the concern and the, you know, how we're in this together, you're going to handle the tough spots of the season better, you know, like you're going to handle, and even the parents do too. You know, we've had some guys that, you know, were, were battling for positions and going back and forth. And, you know, ultimately as a parent, you want your kid to play, but when your kid don't get the nod, you know, can you, you know, can you handle it? Because, you know, we are doing what we think is best for the program. You know, like I feel like I'm indebted to, the 20,000 people that live in Nixa, you know, and the 2,000 that go to Nixa high school. So, you know, the big picture is we are trying really hard to play our guys that give us the best chance, you know, and that's for parents. Sometimes that is hard, but if they know your heart and they know that, you know, you're in this to try to add value to the kid's life, regardless of playing time, you know, then, you can withstand that stuff a little bit easier. No doubt about that. Guardian caps are lightweight, one size fits all, football helmet covers for practice. They reduce 20 to 33% of the impact, depending on the speed and the location. Great for the repetitive sub-concussive blows that add up throughout the week. Also great for body blows. Used by Clemson, Penn State, Washington, Oklahoma, 150 other colleges, and about 2,000 high schools across the country. Also protect that helmet. If your helmets are getting beat up at the end of the year, Guardian Caps can help protect that helmet investment. All right, let's do this. We're gonna jump. We're gonna jump from first base to third base because this is a totally different topic, okay? But I showed y'all my calendar, and anybody that's listening, you may want to get your pen ready and write some of this down because I thought it was really good and some stuff that I'm gonna try in my life. Jesse Itzler, who is a entrepreneur, um, married to uh, what's the what's the uh, Sarah Blakely? Married to Sarah Blakely, like he's a you know, an entrepreneur that has a large social media following and really, really good dude. He went on a 24 minute uh, plan for 24, 2024 and 24 minutes. And I think you can like watch it on YouTube. It was really good. So he sells this calendar that is absolutely massive. It's about the size of a four by eight sheet of plywood. Right. And I actually bought one. I know several people on here bought one. It comes with the color coded little tabs. So you could color code everything that goes on the calendar as, you know, work, family, uh, wife, uh, you know, trips, whatever. So, you know, I'm really excited about that. I think having a calendar and having a plan uh, can be really good. So we're going to start with this was how he said you can close out 2023. Number one, clean out your closet. He says he asked this question. Is there anybody in the world that could use this item more than me? If he got to an item that he didn't want to part with, is there anybody that um, could use this more than me? He said, normally the answer is yes. Well, no joke. If you walk in my closet, it's a there's, there's a side wall and then there's a front wall. It's two parts. The one on the wall farthest from me probably has 200 items that I have not touched since I've been in Nixon. God's honest truth. 
the majority of which is pearl, okay? And the majority of which I can't even wear no more because A, it's either too small or it's so old that it like is, is rotted away. So, you know, clean out your closet. What a great idea. Number two, clean up your desk, you know, like just get your desk in order, you know, like start 2024 with a clean desk. He even goes as far as to delete all of his email. Just delete it all. Start 2024 with an empty email. Now, that's brave. And I'm contemplating that because, man, I'm because I've not done the best job with a calendar in the past. I have to Google search my email a lot to find stuff, you know, but I'm contemplating just deleting it all. OK, because this happened this year. You know how you got your notes app on your phone? I've been keeping my notes app on my phone for 15 or 20 years and I have everything in there. I had a list of probably a thousand words that me and Phil have been acquiring, just cool words. I lost all my notes, every one of them, slap gone, no longer exist. And that really freaked me out until it didn't freak me out, you know, because then I thought, well, I just got to start over. So I started over, no big deal. Now, word of advice, you should back up your phone to something, right? Like I didn't know anything about that. So I absolutely lost them all. So number three, clean out your car. You know, like I need to go out there and do that right now. It's a mess. We've been on the road a lot. Um, number four, you know, clean out mail, bills, subscriptions. You know, like how many of you subscribe to so many things on the internet and you get all these? Well, if you don't open it, as I have found myself, like I, I just you know, delete some of them without going there and clean it up, you know, get rid of them, unsubscribe, uh, make sure all your bills are in order, you know, stuff like that. Number five, which I thought was fantastic. And I'm going to try to do this. Um, handwritten letters, send handwritten letters to people that have made an impact in your life. He says he tries to shoot for 25 or 50 to close out the year. Thank you very much for the impact you've had. 25 or 50 said he's been doing that for 25 years. And you know, you can imagine, he said, uh, the people that still to this day got a card 20 years ago that think about that card or thank him for sending that card, sending a note is a lost art, right? So, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. And number six was take inventory on the year in general. You know, like what happened this year? You know, what was good? What was bad? What can be improved? You know, like that's, and, then I, and there's probably a lot of people that, you know, do the inventory thing. And that's, you know, that's if you have a business, business people do that already, right? Or if you're a football coach, you have taken inventory on the year. You've talked to all your coaches, you know, you've asked the questions, what went good, what went bad, what can we do better? But also doing that on your personal life, you know, like sitting down with your spouse, you know, like what went good, what went bad, what can we improve on? You know, how many times have we done that, right? Um, probably not intentionally a whole lot. Um, but that was the first part of the deal. Close out 2023, which I thought was pretty cool. And he, he, he said, I want to come into 2024 light. You know, that's why I want to clean out my closet, clean out my car, clean out my email. Like let's, let's come in light because think about this. As he shared, the average life expectancy of males is 76, 78 or whatever. He was 55. I'm 52. Okay. So let's say I'm 52 and average life expectancy is 78. You know, like I have 26 summers left. That's it. I got 26 summers. So why would you put off what you want to do right now? You know, why would you put it off? Because let's think about this too. There's going to be a certain amount of that time span 
you know, say from whatever to whatever, where you may not even be healthy enough to do some of the things that you really want to do, you know? So his deal is let's plan for a spectacular 2024 because it's what we have. Our summers are limited. You know what I'm saying? I thought that was, I saw this on uh, social media. A guy had tickets printed off one through 78. And a young guy asked him, he was 58 years old. A young guy asked him, um, you know, what would be your life advice to, a, to your 20 year old self? He took those tickets that was numbered one through 78 and he tore off the first 58. And he said, this part of my life is gone. It's gone. And then he, you know, tore off the part up to 78. And he was like, you know, or like the last 10, he said this last 10 years, you know, like I might, or I might not be able to travel, be able to. So he kind of threw that off. And then he had, he was stuck with this last, this, this little 10 year span. He was like, you know, this is what I've got. You know, this is what I've got. Make the most of what you got right now. Don't put off doing something that you want to do, you know, like take that trip, take that, you know, whatever that big thing is, or start that podcast or write the book, you know, like whatever it is you want to do, do it, you know, quit, quit putting it off because time we're not getting back. Right. You know, we're not, we can probably create a little bit more time by living healthy and doing all that. But, you know, um, at the end of the day, average life expectancy is being pulled from a pretty large group. Right. Number two was the second thing he talked about after closeout 2023 was why have a plan, you know, which I think all of us understand that, you know, having a plan is going to allow you to play offense instead of defense, instead of reacting to life, you are going to go attack life, you know, so we want to play offense. Um, Phil, I know you're a defensive guy, but in life, we're going to have to flip to offense, right? We got we got to go get it. You know, we got to prioritize ourselves. One of the greatest speeches that, um, that you can ever hear. And this is funny, but if you YouTube uh, Snoop Dogg, when he got his star on the Walk of Fame in Hollywood, Snoop Dogg goes to the stage and he says, I want to thank me. I want to thank me for everything that I've done. I want to thank me for working so hard. I want to, you know, and I thought, you know, it's a pretty selfish moment in the way that you look at it. But when you think about it, man, you need to prioritize you, right? You's important, you know, like, Gosh, if you ain't coming at it at your best, you ain't giving your best to other people. So, you know, Snoop Dogg kind of had it figured out. He might have been high at the time. He might not have been. I don't know. But anyway, it's a pretty good speech. All right. And then the last thing, this is the best. You know, how do we plan for 2024? Number one, do a Masogi, a Masogi, a M-I-S-O-G-I. A Masogi is, I think is a Japanese word for one life-changing event. Plan it out. Put it on the calendar, man. The calendar is massive. Like, what's it going to be? What is your Masogi going to be? Is it going to be start a podcast? Is it going to be write a book? Is it going to be take 22,000 steps to the, to the whatever that was, chance you, you and your wife walked to? Like, what is your Masogi for 2024? Think about it. Plan it out. What is that big life-changing event that, you know, you can put on the calendar and go get it. I thought that was awesome. Number two, um, every other month, take one day and do something that you normally wouldn't do. He called this Kevin's rule because he had a friend 
that he learned this from. So every other month, you're going to take a mini adventure. So in the course of the year, that's going to be six a year, mini adventures, things that you would not normally do. Okay. As an example, he and Kevin went up in the mountains, took a tent and they camped out one night. And he said, when he was up there, because Kevin had asked him and his kids to go with him, he looked at Kevin. He was like, man, this is awesome. There's nobody up here, but us. We're the only people on this mountain, you know? And he's like, it was a great adventure for me and my kids. Like it was something we would have never done, you know, normally, but we did it, you know, and it was awesome. And he says, don't let money be an excuse for not being able to do something. He said that was an $18 fee to get up on that campsite and a tent is what it cost, you know, like plan out six mini adventures, you know, throughout the course of the year. And I thought, man, how easy is that? You know, like I want to stick those on the calendar. I want to plan that out because I know myself, I get excited when, you know, I have things upcoming. It gives you something to look forward to. So that was number two. Um, take one every other month. So six a year, put them on the calendar. Things you would not normally do. Okay. Number three was every quarter add one winning habit. Every quarter. So every three months add one winning habit. So let's say, you know, and we all know now because of, you know, the mental performance training that adding habits, you know, you got to make it simple to stick right before you make it hard and, you know, you, you, you can't do it. So he said, you know, add one winning habit every quarter. So let's say you don't drink enough water. Well, this quarter I'm going to drink the amount of water I'm supposed to drink, you know, and don't, don't, Try to do a thousand things at one time. Just add one every quarter. So throughout the course of the year, that would be four winning habits. You know, like I thought that was pretty good. Um, something else that goes on the calendar. One date night a week with your wife. Just one date night a week. Just whatever it is, that date night goes on the calendar. And it is, you know, like for everybody to see your wife, you know, like one date night a week. And I, and I think this. You know, like in our little world here, you know, like Wednesday night could be considered a date night for our wife. You know, that's a time where we go eat Mexican and we hang out and, you know, but plan it out. Like what is the one night a week that you're going to spend with your spouse, you know, doing something for her? I thought that was really good. Um, Take one trip a quarter with your spouse. All right. So one trip every three months, put it on the calendar. We're going to go have you know, a little one night, two night getaway, you know, do that. We've always been pretty good about that. Minus there's never been a plan, you know? So like, I want to plan that out. I want to, I want to put it on there this weekend. We're going to go, you know, to hot springs or this weekend, we're going to go to, you know, whatever and get away just because that's something that you and her both would look forward to. Right. Um, the other thing was um, try to plan you know, one getaway uh, a year or more with your kids individually, you know, so like plan a one-on-one -on -one trip with your kids. And this was something that I've not really done, not intentionally, but since watching this, I have already went and bought tickets for a concert in Rogers, Arkansas, that I can take my daughter. I got a hotel room and Rogers, we're going to go down and I can't even remember the artist. Okay. But I let her pick it out. I put it on the calendar, sent her a picture. Like in this date, it's April the 14th or 27th. We're going to go to Rogers and do a concert. I'm looking right now for uh theater tickets in St. Louis. They have a theater up there to go see a play with Jay, something that 
honestly, I've never done, you know, like me by myself, I've never done that. If we did it, it was me and my wife and them, you know what I'm saying? Like, but plan a trip with your kids individually so that they, you know, have all of your attention and I'm going to plan it, put it on the calendar. I thought, you know, like, that's a great idea. And, you know, last but not least was don't let money, um, you know, don't let money be an excuse because you can plan things that aren't that much, you know, like we ain't going to see uh, Taylor Swift, right? We're going to see somebody that, you know, the tickets was relatively cheap. Hotels in Rogers are not, are not overly expensive, you know, but it'll be a great night for me and her because that's not something we've ever done, you know, which is crazy. But, you know, I also think this because I've never done it before don't mean that I can't get better at it now. And I thought this calendar idea gives me an opportunity to be better for my son, for my daughter, for my wife, you know, and for myself, being able to honestly like plan stuff out and put it out there on a calendar. And, you know, I'm going to take that big old calendar you see right there and I'm going to fill that joker in, you know, like I've got a day planner that I have started, you know, working on and I'm going to put those weekends in there, you know, when we can go off by ourselves, me and my wife or, you know, have a staycation or whatever we want to do, but try to plan some of that stuff out. Okay. Um, that was the, that was the 24 minutes that he spent talking about, he might've went in a little bit more detail, but this was my question for y'all, you know, like, what do you think about that? What, how does that hit you? You know, and maybe some of you do that already. Maybe some of you don't like, I don't know how great a calendar y'all keep, but we'll start with chance. What's your, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I love it. I have heard some of the, some of that from Jesse, but not all of it. Um, I, I love a lot of that. It, as I as I think about all of it, for somebody just getting started, depending on if this goes out to other people besides the four of us, it could seem like a lot. Sure. And it, it you know, but it's what are we prioritizing? Are we pr prioritizing being busy and just existing, or do our priorities really matter? And and this is where you're putting those big rocks, those priorities first in your calendar. And you're saying, I'm going to put this out there. Um, and coming from no money, that would seem daunting to me. Um, and, and okay, how am I going to do all this? But I think I love his example of going hiking in the mountains. And, you know, Sherry has jokingly said she's going to put a tent on her new forerunner and we're going to go camp in a tent on the forerunner, which I've not been really excited about. But would be cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be, it would really be low cost. Sure. Um, so that'll be something we'll probably do. But, you know, it, it literally like going to Dogwood Canyon and going for a walk, like, you know, and spending a day, maybe not just a walk, but spending a day out there with your wife could be that example of something you're going to do in a quarter. And you stage it at a time when it's like, you know, it's spring and beautiful, or, you know, the fall, you know, leaves are changing or something like that. And it's just that much better. Um, so I won't ramble on too much, but um, I just like that that he clarifies to not let money be an excuse. And there's two sides of that because I've spent a lot of time coaching entrepreneurs in a couple of different businesses. And, you know, one side of that is we we can work it within the budget we have today. Um, and, and there's two things within that. One is where are we spending money that's not a priority? You know, if we really do an honest assessment and we reflect back over the year, where are we wasting money or spending money and not investing it in the priorities that we have? And for me, it used to be what I call five bucks, which is called Starbucks, or now it's called seven bucks. But, 
You know, years ago, I would start every morning with a four shot espresso drink that was literally $5 and 62 cents. And you take that every single day, add it up over a, <laughs> over a year. That's a lot of money. Um, so, you know, there could be things we're spending money on that could be much better allocated. Um, but then there's also opportunities to go out and, you know, do a little bit to earn a little bit more money because these priorities do matter. And, and when you talk about chasing the big dream or sometimes that's the congruence of this is you may have a big dream to go get better and, and be better. And that could generate more income and create more opportunity for you. So you put all this together. I think it can create a lot of, a lot of great things. No, it's a, it's, you know, it's very thought provoking. You know, when you sit down and try to intentionally spend minutes or time thinking about, you know, what is your one big Masogi going to be, right? Or what is, you know, like, what are you going to do individually with your kids? Or what about that weekend trip with you? I mean, like, it's going to lead to very positive thoughts about things, you know, that, that do matter in this world. And that is, you know, I don't know how many of y'all have read The Second Mountain. Anybody read that? Not, you told me I'm going to get it, but I have not yet. You know, fantastic about, you know, the first mountain we chase is success, money, cars, houses, da 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 da, da. We get to the top of that mountain and we're like, mm. you know, like, is this, is this it? You know, like, is this really it? Like, that's some of those things can buy you happiness, but they cannot buy you joy. You know, joy is when you climb that second mountain of purpose, you know, and you're, you're, you're living for something bigger than yourself and you're trying to add value to other people. And I think that spending time thinking about those things with a calendar can be very, um, you know, it could be very helpful. Chris, what about you? What's your thoughts? Well, I, I think it's incredible. Um, you know, as you're, as you're going through this, John, I'm sitting there thinking about, you know, for the past uh, 37 years of marriage, my wife, you know, she's been my biggest cheerleader, She's been right there beside me ministering to my, to my players. It's sort of been a team effort and we've gotten a lot of joy out of it. You know, our kids have been involved in it. And I think the life of a coach is really special and that families are involved, you know, but at the same time, you know, to step away, you know, and say, okay, now I'm going to be your cheerleader, you know, or I'm going to be about you because everything just seems to center around what I'm doing. And so, I love it because number one, it's intentional and it is a, this is what I love about it because I've heard you say this before, give me a system and I can do it. But to me, this is a system or a plan to have a life that's well lived. You know, so no that's what I love about it. I love it. No doubt about it. Phil. Phil, you're on mute. It's okay. Sorry. I had to call. So I had to mute myself. I was interrupting. Uh, I, I think it's fantastic. I would say this, this is a sidebar. If you're going to share specific words with people that are really interesting and could build a book and you write them in your phone, share with a person that actually writes them down for you too, because <laughs> I haven't wrote a single word down, but man, it was a great journey. Uh, what I'm coming from a little different direction. Uh, it might help somebody out there. I'm a blended family. Okay. So I went through a divorce about, I don't know, 20 years ago. Uh, got remarried. When I got remarried, I uh, I had my uh, son from my first marriage, and then I had two stepchildren. And what this hit me is my wife uh, put down the gauntlet. I really didn't understand it at the time. I was just working. She demanded, and we both came from very uh, 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 moderate uh, financial situations. She put down the gauntlet and said, we will take a family vacation every year. And 
uh, it was a challenge some years. Now it's not a challenge. And the memories we've built, but we got together when all uh, a lot of family tradition had already been established by each groups. The other thing is my stepchildren have a very active dad that's positive. He went through a divorce with my wife, but he's still involved and still positive. So I don't feel the role to be their dad. Said all that to this. I think we do the family vacation. We'll do it this summer. When you hired me, it's the only thing I told you I had to miss because it's non-negotiable. Uh, but I, the, the taking my child, my son, to something special and then writing on my calendar, Hey, Sarah, you're taking Abigail in the fall to do something Abigail wants to do. You're taking Nathaniel. You know, I, I think that's brilliant, uh, that connection, that commitment. So, yeah, you know, I, coming from a little different angle, but I see it as, as, as a great thing. We can do something together, but individually, how special that makes him feel. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, gosh, it's one day, one night, one weekend, you know, like if, if you know, and I feel ashamed to say that, you know, I haven't really done that um, individually, but, you know, like, just because I haven't don't mean I can't, you know what I mean? Like, I can start now, right? And the right chance, what do you, what do you, chance always uses some, um, um, it's never too late to start a new or something. Oh, uh, that's, yeah, that, I can't take credit for that. It's John Maxwell. Oh, yeah. Um, while, we, while we cannot go back and begin again, we can always begin a brand new end. Well, I'm going to try to begin a brand new end in 2024 <laughs> by doing a better job of planning. And I can't wait to get my calendar filled up, man. I'm going to be, I'm going to be all on that joker here pretty soon. I just got it so big. I got to figure out where to, how am I going to do it? Like, how am I going to work on it? Because it takes up like the whole wall, which is, I guess I'm just going to staple, staple it to the wall and roll on. You put it over that Pearl Pirate sign right behind Yeah, it. I probably am. I'm going to probably put it right behind <laughs> me because I want it to be, I want it to be, I do want it to be my backdrop. I really do. So that's probably. Get a Nixa sticker to put on it. Well, when, whenever we, uh, whenever we win it all, we're, we're going to replace that. Um, that seemed like a good idea four years ago. And now, <laughs> hey, John, something else that stands out to me about what you shared from, Either either Jesse or a combination of things. Well, I think it was both. Um, was that time frame in life? You know, um, working in employee the the latter time frame in life, and then working in employee benefits for twenty nine years now, and watching people work their life away, whether it's the owner, executive, salesperson, employee, whatever. Um, a lot of people are busy being busy. They're working their life away. Um, they're, they're planning for this, whatever in the future, right? They're not planning this year right now. It's like, they're, they're planning everything later. Um, and I'm just over generalizing. I know everybody doesn't, I know we don't fall in that camp hundred percent, nor do, nor does everyone, but what I've seen the masses doing that is sad that I think we all want to help people change and help our high schoolers live differently is Number one, they don't all make it there, right? We don't all make it to that time frame. A, you know, we may pass before that. Um, number two, we don't get there sometimes uh, with the money we thought we were going to get there with, and we end up having to go back to work and working one or two jobs, um, not really having planned. Um, the industry I've worked in, one of them, retirement. It, if if you, the whole industry will tell you to save three to six percent, you can retire, and and it doesn't work that way. You've got to do more, um, so that's misleading. But the more common situation is 
we think we're going to get there and do this and we get to the retire so-called retirement age which i don't even believe in retirement but we get to that age and we don't have our health like you said you know and we then can't go do those things but the thing that stands out to me about you guys and about one of my favorite mentors is john maxwell and that is i believe we can always add more value if we, if we are growing you know you guys can continually add more value like every year more value and, and I, I think back to what we, we listened to Rory Baden say, you know, we're most equipped to serve the person we once were. If, if we go down that path and we think about how much value we could possibly add to someone else by serving people who are earlier in that pipeline or wherever we are in our career or field, whether it's personally, maritally, spiritually, you know, professionally, I just believe what John Maxwell says is, and I've heard Jaeger say this as well, and that is the best is ahead of us. And, and I think with that mindset and looking at that limited time frame, and it may be more time frame than what the average 78 year old is, we may all make better choices and live longer and healthier. Um, but, you know, let's just live all of those years and try and make it that the, the, the non-functional time is the last 10 days, not the last 10 years, you know? Yeah, I love it, man. I think that's absolutely awesome. You know, you know, John, one thing, one thing that just hit me, you know, and this is self-reflection. So, uh, is you know chance talking about you know do it now uh i think money and and thank goodness i have a lot more money than i did 30 years ago money has made me lazy in creativity in showing creating experiences for my child and my children and my spouse uh, i think back about 25 years ago uh, my son had a, a birthday party he was about eight <sighs> funds were were lean and I physically loaded up uh, a sprayer. Don't tell Willard High School because I, I think I use her paint. I loaded up a paint sprayer in my truck, took it home, and sprayed a, a, a field. Thank goodness I had a lot of expertise in that. And put the chief's emblem in it and this and that. It, it didn't cost me any money. It cost me a lot of effort. And because it was the winter time and grass wasn't growing up here, my son and those kids, we had a party on it. And then my son and his friends played on it. It was effort. And what I'm challenging myself by talking to you guys is now I throw out the card or I just, you know, and I need to get back intentionally to that creativity, you know, because that I think that means a lot to the people that care about us is mm. that, man, you put some thought into this kind of like Chris's uh, venture up to that pond. You know, that was a great yep. story with his wife. That creativity uh, money's awesome. And, and we can express it and we share it. Uh, but man, I've let it kind of shrink my creativity. I love that. That's awesome. And I don't know um, if Willard comes after you for that paint, that, that, that might be a pretty penny today. You know what I'm saying? Like with interest, it's going to cost me with interest. <laughs> I'm just playing. All right. That, that was, that was the calendar. Uh, portion that I, I wanted to share with you guys just because I thought that was some good stuff. So if you take one thing out of that and add it to you uh, or your calendar, then, you know, it will have added value. All right, Chance, do you want to roll with yours? Uh, we, have, we absolutely can. If you guys want to take the time, man, we good on a little bit more time? Yep. I'm good. Chris okay. is shaking his head. Feels good. Yeah. So I'll give you the short version and we can dive in as deep as you guys want to, but basically just, it's a personal journey that I wonder how many people could relate to this and is it worthy of sharing in a training type capacity? 
Um, and, and if I can use a quick analogy or comparison, you know, there's the four levels of competency that we we learn and teach. And, you know, we're we don't know what we don't know. Right. We're unconsciously incompetent. Then we start to know what we don't know. We're consciously incompetent. Um, then we become, you know, competent, consciously competent and unconsciously competent. And it's those four levels. And for whatever reason, that analogy was kind of ringing in my mind relative to these four things. And the first thing is confidence. In my young years, I found myself always doing my best, whether it be inherently or through my own intentionality to act as if I'm confident, whether I was or not. And so the four levels here that I'm looking at are confidence, self-confidence, self-worth, and worth. <laughs> And so I, I've taken that same kind of comparison of, but it, but it's a different, it's a different message, but four levels that I've personally gone through. And that is early in my life, people would have thought I was a confident person because of the way I acted. I carried myself and walked as though I was physically confident. They, therefore they assumed I was confident on the inside. Well, then later in life, I start to learn from people like Ed Milet and others who say self-confidence not confidence, but self-confidence is the ability to keep promises we make to ourselves, And that was one of those aha moments for me where it was like, holy cow, I am not near as confident as I thought I was. You know, it's like here, I think I'm confident by acting confident in certain ways. And, and I, I truly wasn't in many ways behind the scenes, right? It's just, I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm not really intentionally fake it till you make it. But um, I just think that was the way I carried myself was more confidently than really I was on the inside. But my self-confidence, when I really took an assessment, honest reflection of that was, I'm not always keeping the promises I make to myself. I'm the only one that knows if I'm keeping the promises I make to myself. And am I going to that next level? You know, and, and sometimes I'll talk about what I'm going to do next. And, and maybe others will know that I didn't follow through and do this. And of course, now we're at the beginning of New Year's resolution. So it's it's the the, the prime time for that kind of thing, right? And so I just realized, you know what, I'm, I may not be as confident as I thought. And, and now I'm processing that. I'm like, I need to work on keeping the promises I make to myself. Well, then we get into this, this difference of confidence and worth. And I realized, okay, I can continue to make the promises, you know, keep the promises that I make to myself and become more self-disciplined and self-confident. I can do that. Um, but there's still this difference in confidence and self-worth. And, and it's like, I'm, I'm out here doing things, keeping more promises than maybe what, what I was in the past, but I'm still over here at times making choices that would not really be congruent with me having a very high sense of self-worth. You know, I could be making choices um, that, and I'll just use alcohol as an example, right? Um, putting alcohol in your body is not a very healthy thing. It's a toxic thing. I've done it off and on throughout my life. And, and if you were to just say very simplistically, I think you could say, if, if you're going to drink frequently, you know, that's not treating yourself with great self-worth, right? And so I'm just going to use that as an, as an example. And we could use any number of things. Could be bad thoughts about myself. You know, it could be just my own self-talk. Here I am working to grow these other businesses and, and help other people in mental performance, but yet, I may, what if I'm struggling with my own, you know, what they call imposter syndrome. It's like, why would anybody 
join mental fitness training with me when they could go get Ed Milet, they can go get Tony Robbins, they can go get whoever, you know, and, and so you could, you could get into that self-worth where it's like, I don't feel like I'm worth doing what those guys are doing at times, but yet I'm over here battling it day by day to try to keep the promises I make to myself. Well, the fourth level, so, so I'm not my, my self-worth, I'm not always making choices or thinking the thoughts that are equal to maybe what my worth is. Because if you go to worth at its most basic level, and we are all faith-based Christian men here, um, what does God say about me? And that to me was, you know, was something that was just so revealing. It was like, when you start to read scripture and what God says about you, do you own that the same way that you own your salvation? You know, it's like we we want to say, hey, I'm a Christian. I've given my life to Christ. Um, and now I'm going to do my best to train myself to keep those promises, right? I'm going to go through that path and do better at keeping the promises, even though I know, you know, I, I'm forgiven. But I go down this path that I'm just, I'm, I'm battling, right? There's that spiritual warfare that I believe goes on that I used to not give a lot of credit to. But I, I, I will pin certain scriptures around you know, perseverance or around things that I'm drawn towards, but I don't pin those scriptures of what God says about me and what God says about how God values us and, and our worth in, in his creating us. And some on, you know, if, it, if this goes public and some are not there, you know, maybe um, that's something I just encourage you to search for. You know, I just encourage you to seek. And uh, I believe, you know, in seeking out, you know, God and your faith, I, I think uh, that could be a worthy journey. Um, and one of these things, one of these thoughts on the tail end of this came from my coach who I've hired this past year, who very strong in his faith, um, everything he teaches and coaches, it's congruent in there's always scripture in alignment with anything he's teaching, whether, you know, whether it be business, physical fitness, whatever. And he's just shown me and revealed to me so many things that God says about me that I just know I could grow so much further in, in growing my own self-worth to be congruent with what God says about all of us and, and work it from that foundation to then build self-worth, to keep promises to myself. And then when I'm walking in a level of confidence it's a confidence that's built on a foundation that, you know, when life's out of balance, it's like it, man, it's not, you know, it's not going to be, it may move side to side. It may knock me a little bit, but it's not going to knock me off. So that may have been a little longer than the short version I thought I was going to give you, but those are the four levels that I just feel like I I'm going through personally is learning. How can I improve my self-worth and my choices um, to be in congruence with, um, you know, who God says I am. All right. Let me let me let me rehash this in my in my 18 ACT mind, okay? <laughs> Confidence. Act as if, you know, which to me is the James Lang theory. Like there's actually some truth to that. If you act as if long enough, you will partly believe the way that you're acting. Like your 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 physical transfer transformation can lead to a mental transformation. Okay. But I get confidence is separated from self-confidence, which is the ability to keep the promises that you make to yourself. Okay. So I get that. And then you roll into self-worth. Okay. Which 
I totally am on the same page, you know, like imposter syndrome is real. You know, sometimes we think, who are we to serve somebody else? But I think that is, you know, that that story of two, you know, two thoughts, right? The good and the bad, the, the you know, um, that voice is always there. The negative voice is always probably there. You know, how do we how do we build our self-worth? to keep that from happening. And, you know, the one word I wrote down when you were talking about self-worth was grace, you know, like grace. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know if we're ever, uh, or would we ever be completely self-worthy, right? If we didn't give ourselves grace, because we're not going to be perfect. Now that don't, that don't give us, I don't think that gives us a free pass to do the things that we know are wrong, but, you know, like we have to, we have to give ourselves grace because God gives us grace, right? I mean, he, he's going to give us grace or we wouldn't be, you know, living with him one day. That's a fact, you know? So, you know, like grace, 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 like you got to give yourself grace. Now the last, like, and I'm just asking a, a question, the last level, the worth you're saying is what God says about us, what God says we are. Is that right? Yep. And then how, you know, like how those four fit together, you know, like what is, you know, like what is your goal? You know, like what do you want from the, you know, from the four different levels, you know, like right there, like what is your goal of the four? Yeah, clearly I want to, train myself and do better to live more congruent with what, you know, how God values me and make choices consistent with that. You know, if, if God says I'm loved, if God says I'm valuable, then to treat myself as if, right. And we talk about putting the oxygen mask on ourselves first and so that we can then be better for others. Um, first, I have to know what God says about me. I mean, when Darren, my coach was sharing this stuff with me, I'm like, I haven't even read some of these scriptures and I've read a fair amount of scripture, but where they're just not sinking in. It's like, there's this wall up where I'm not wanting to listen to these things that are really positive and good about me because I'm constantly always my biggest critic, critic beating myself up over the things that I could get better at, you know, and that's, that's part of the dichotomy of this journey of personal growth. Uh, but, but the simple answer is I just want to get more congruent with who God says I am and appreciate that, own that, um, no, I've always got, you know, a ways to go, but, but have that as a better foundation because I just, I don't think I have. All right. Let me ask you this. And then I'm gonna let those guys chime in one statement and one question. One statement is we um, need to dive into the Bible more, right? So that we really know what it says about us. That, that is, you know, I know I can speak for myself on that as, as you just said. And then the question is this, why, do you feel, and I know this is a, a genuine feeling with you, why do you feel that you're not as worthy as you are? You know, like, where does that feeling come from in you? Because, you know, like, I know you, and I know your heart, and I know how much greatness is not only in you, but how much of it comes out to other people, but yet you battle that self-worth that that where does that come from any i mean does that is that a legitimate question <laughs> it, it is and and you know 
other than saying my childhood or Satan, man, I don't know. Well, that's, you know, I think that's something that, you know, as we move forward, you know, we try to answer too. you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, that I know that that inner battle and I have it, you know, like I have it around certain topics, you know, me and Stephanie was talking about this coming back up the road. There are some things that even in this mental fitness training world, you know, there are some topics that come up and I think, man, like, why am I talking about that? You know, like, who am I to, you know, so, you know, I get that, but I do know, you know, in your heart, you do have that battle, you know, you have that battle between, you know, feeling that you're worthy. Now to answer your question, you asked a question, why would somebody hire you instead of Ed Milet? And I can answer that money. Okay. Because you don't charge as much as Ed Milet. <laughs> so I can answer that question for you with no hesitation. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> no, and no. to be honest with you, you know, like hiring you as compared to Ed Milet, the person would actually probably receive more from you than they would Ed Milet. Ed Milet's got a stage and he's awesome and I love him, but you know, um, for the dollar amount, I'm going with Chance Potts instead of Ed Milet. That's just me. But all right, uh, uh, Chris or Phil, Chris, you want to go with with what he shared and what your thoughts were? Yeah, I'd rather hear from Phil first, and then I, I got a couple of thoughts. Okay. Uh, Phil? But anyway, more questions than thoughts, I guess. God bless you, Chris, because following you is not fun. I had to do it on the <laughs> – you're so thought-provoking, and, and I always get beat up. Uh, I'm going to start out a couple thoughts. Uh, Chris, in our text – I went back and read our text kind of because my memory is not very positive. So I went back and read our text, and one of the things Chris said that I think is very common – is we continually try to fit something into that inner circle that we're talking about, uh, and it never fits. I mean, you know, that state championship, that all-conference, that woman we married, those are all wonderful, incredible things that put into our journey with Christ. But to make it our God, nothing's ever going to fit. And so I just want to bring that up because that was a reflection. Uh, chance, confidence, uh not a very confident guy, didn't develop until college, you know, always always trying to validate in my mind uh, self-worth. And I don't know, three or four years ago, you stole from Maxwell, but being consistent with what you say you're going to do has liberated me, you know, uh, uh, made me independent. Because I think if we're all honest, in uh, the Fr Andy Fraselli thing, where, you know, what five things are you going to do today? You know, did I win the day? Did I not? I'm mean, very basic. I'm a basic guy. That has been so positive for me because, you know, in a seven day week, I might lose a day, but that doesn't mean I'm worthless or this and that. And so uh, the confidence thing, the self-worth thing, I really struggle with. Uh, and, and, and I, and I, I think of it as this, we're all on mental performance and mental growth. Okay. And so we're not we're not performance based people. We're growth based people. OK, and that's really brilliant. But it is in the scripture. You know, that guy went to the cross 2000 years ago uh, with a smile in his heart because he was doing something for you at your worst. You at your worst made it worth his enduring what he did. Mm. And. You know, I go to church and, you know, I serve some meals on Wednesday nights. And, boy, I just really think I'm 
pretty. You know, I, I, how dare that I ever think I was worth that gift he gave me? Oh, heck no, I wasn't. You know, he, he did it because he loved me so much. He did it for me at my worst, you know, and so that's a clean slate. So to me, that's growth mindset. I'm starting here, and because I because of my identity is in Him, I want to get closer to that, you know. So that 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 kind of uh, 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 I don't I don't know how you have self worth without that identification, you know. It's it's fragile if you don't, you know. Uh, the other thing I'll say about the uh, in confidence, this is just my take. We all have different takes, so this is my take. If you have true self-confidence, it oozes out of you. You don't have to act any certain way. And, and I understand awareness, you know, how you dress yourself, how you, you know, how you set, how you, I, I get it. But you show me people that have true self-confidence and I might not even agree with their fundamental purpose, but they are who they are. Man, the respect you know, and I think as adults, it's very attractive. I think when I was 19, 20, 21, 22, I was very impressed in what you drove, how you acted, how flamboyant you were, you know, a personality. One of the things I used to teach in health class, personality is like ice cream, you know, tutti frutti ice cream and chocolate fudge ice cream. There's not a right or wrong. People have different palates, you know, but I think uh, true confidence is is a real attractor in our society for for people that you know of of adults. And then the last thing, um, uh, I want to talk to Chance for just a second. The reason you have a purpose, same reason I hook up a mower, and and in two four way stops, I see three mowing, <laughs> three people mowing. And I think, how am I ever going to get a client? Okay. It's because, it's because, you know, the scripture said the fields are plenty and the workers are few, you know, you care about people. And, and here's the thing I want to embed in your flaws, not your intelligence, your intelligence is what's going to give them growth and purpose and what they appreciate. Your flaws are where they connect to you. Not they celebrate your flaws. Some person that's starting their journey cannot connect with Ed Milet. And that doesn't mean that Ed Milet is not negative or, but, but, you know, it's just they need somebody in different areas of the level. And, and I've always, you know, I think scripture's that way. And I think that's why he asked us not to judge each other, you know, because as I come up through spiritual growth on this side of the tree and John's coming up for this side of the tree. I mean, I might really have uh, finances down and I might be a huge giver, you know, but but I struggle with addiction, you know, whatever. And John's coming up the other side and it's our it's our vulnerability, not that we want to, you know, embrace our vulnerability, but definitely in what connects us. And I, I said it this way, since we're all coaches, you can have an all conference guard. You don't want to run him a fade route. You know, and God is the brilliant coach, you know, and, and that's why, you know, we cannot, you know, the book, we can't compare and we can't have fear. Uh, God has a purpose for us, you know, and, and, and we don't like it, but it's our vulnerability along the way, along our growth path 
and whatever your biggest challenge and, you know, your biggest challenge in life is probably going to connect you and make you more valuable to more people than you being disciplined in a certain area of your life. And, you know, he, he's awesome that way. Uh, and then, <clears throat> sorry, I'm on borrowed time. Oh, the last thing, and I think this is applicable. Uh, I'm a social guy. So I like the big meetings. I like church service. I've always had ridiculously good friends. I value each of you. So I've always enjoyed the three. And until about 40 years old, I didn't spend enough time in the garden with him. And that to me, that is, he's put a, the social uh, blueprint, okay? He ministered to thousands. He hung out with 12. He had three best friends. But guess what? The day before the you know, they hung him on the cross, his friends were asleep. He had to spend time alone. And I think personality uh, dictates a lot of that. I've had friends that spend an incredible amount of time alone, but they don't ever connect with anybody else. I think it's wasted. I think he told us. And I think it's exact opposite on my final statement. I think it's the exact opposite. If you don't have Christ in the center, like Chris has challenged us, you spend a lifetime trying to be validated by the thousands. And it's empty and it's frustrating. And it's very fearful. You know, be validated by the person. Be supported by the three. Hang out with a good group. And then minister to thousands. That's it. That's what I had on my mind. Good stuff. Good stuff. Great stuff from both of you. Thank you. All right, Christopher. All right. Hey, I'm sorry I had to get up. I've had about a gallon of water this morning. <laughs> uh, I'm going long. Uh, I just want to share with you guys it's sort of a struggle I've I've uh have had. And uh, but I tell you one of the way it, it, what brought me to this was I was reading a book, it's called Legacy. I don't know if y'all read it, it's about the all blacks, and so anyway. One of the things that just jumped out of that book and hit me was their one of their core values was humility. And so when I looked at that book and I looked at how violent those men were, and you look at the end of a game and they take them into this room and they sew them up. And in some cases, there's breaks, there's bones sticking out of the skin. It is the most violent sport on this planet. I mean, when you just see what those these men go through, you see when they the ceremony that they go through at the beginning of it, and I think about how strong and how violent and how uh, accomplished and trained these men are. And then they say that humility is a core value. And so anyway, that just jumped out at me. Exactly what does that mean? And what it is, is these men, they live and they play for one another. When they're training, they're training with the man that's going to play with for at their side. And so um, to me, I've never thought of that much as being a core value until I went. And so I started looking at it in my own life. And another book that I just finished reading, y'all probably read this and the movies out on Chris uh, was out yesterday. It's called the boys in the boat. And uh, so anyway, about how all those guys have to be in sync in the, in the, in the main character here is a guy by the name of Joe Rance. He was abandoned by his, by his family. Uh, and he just really, he was less than these guys. He, he didn't have the wealth. He wore clothes that were sort of tattered, 
when he got in the boat because of the hardships he endured, he just about lifted the boat out of the water, but he was untrained. He didn't know how to be in sync with them guys. This thing they call swing. But anyway, I want to read a paragraph to you guys from this. And it really talks about it. It really, it's the paradox I live about self-improvement and about uh, having a strong will and being a warrior, but at the same time with, for what purpose, what's the end game of all this stuff. And so anyway, you know, and it's really about being, uh, you know, I guess the selfless warrior, but anyway, it says, uh, but the greatest paradox of the sport has to do with the psych psychological makeup of the people who pull the oars. Great oarsmen and oarswomen are, necess are necessarily made of conflicting stuff, oil and water, fire and earth. On the one hand, they must possess enormous self-confidence, strong egos, and titanic willpower. They must be almost immune to frustration. Nobody who does not believe deeply in himself or herself in his or her ability to endure hardship and, and to prevail over adversity is, li is likely even to attempt something as audacious and competitive rowing at the highest level. The sport offers so many opportunities for suffering and so few opportunities for glory that only the most tenacious, self-reliant, and self-motivated are likely to succeed at it. And yet at the same time, and this is the key, and this sentence right here just jumped out at me, okay? And yet at the same time, and this is a key, no other sport demands and rewards complete abandonment of self mm. the way that rowing does. Great crews may have men or women of exceptional talent or strength. They may have outstanding coxswain or stroke oars or bowmen, but they have no stars. The team effort, the perfectly synchronized flow of muscle, oars, boat, and water, single hold unified, beautifully symphony of, that a crew and motion becomes is all that matters, not the individual, not the self. And so when I looked at this is my struggle, because at one hand, there's three pictures here. One is the picture of the All Blacks, the most trained, the most violent, the most humble. You know, the strongest self-will. The other one is I pulled up a picture and it's a picture of of uh what's the the guy that was the the um the sniper that had the most kills of all time not Chris Kyle was it Chris Kyle whoever it was but anyway they did a story about him, the American sniper and he had more kills than anybody he killed more people than anybody and there's a picture of him in an Iraqi village carrying a, a wounded child out of that village so here's a man that was feared by terrorists but was beloved by children. And then there's another one. It's this horse. And I looked it up and I forget the name of this horse. But anyway, this horse killed two trainers and a jockey. It was the most feared and violent horse of all time. And this guy, this horse whisperer came along and trained this guy and spoke to this horse. And at the end of his life, this horse spent out his last days at birthday parties for children, you know. And so I, I, this is where I'm sort of landing on humility, you know, is C.S. Lewis says, you know, humility is not that we look at ourselves less. It's just that we, it's not that we look uh, at ourselves less. It's just that we uh, look less at ourselves, you know. But anyway, one of the things I was thinking about that John was talking about, giving ourselves grace. And, you know, I want to get to this thing where I've, I've given it a lot of thought about uh, the, the, the selfless warrior, you know, and it's like I want to be a thing where, um, uh, 
that God can use me in that way. And I know that that pride is a is an issue. But I've started, I've come to this point, I'm at this place now where uh, humility is really that I start looking at others the way that God looks at them. Like, I think it's important for, that we understand how God looks at us. But I can only afford people grace, like John talks about. If I can see that person, the value in that person, and the that God sees in them. You know, and I'm not there yet. I'm just going to tell you guys, I am not there yet. I'm not there by a long shot. Um, but anyway, I guess the thing where I, this is my, this is my paradox for me is I want to, I, I want to be, I want to be growth minded. I want to be, uh, self-motivated. I want to be self-disciplined. I want to be, uh, a self, I want to be self-assured. I want to be a self-starter. And the paradox is I want to be selfless. And I don't know where that lands, guys. I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm this is just, a, this is where I'm at now. And I don't know, I don't have answers. I'm not saying this is an answer. I'm saying this is my struggle. And this is where I'm at right now, uh, you know, in my struggle. Well, I think, I think, you know, that struggle is going on within all of us, you know, to some, to some degree. Chance, what do you think about, what do you think about that? Well, I appreciate everything you guys have all shared and and it's been tremendous feedback, both, you know, and how you guys are um, maybe responding to what I shared or, or just where you are and what you've shared in your own, your own journey. You know, that's part of the power in all of this and, and the power of a mastermind and an inner circle. Um, I wrote down a number of things that stand out. I, I guess I have more of a question than I do um, anything. And that is, do you think that the flow of conversation around confidence and worth is worth packaging and sharing with others that it's relatable? I would say 100% because I think there are so many people in this world that are chasing that first mountain and that first mountain might be confidence. That first mountain might be if I make this dollar amount, I become confident. If I have this car, if I have this. So it goes back to, you know, the acting as if we're confident because we are attaining something or we are gaining something. Whereas that second mountain is living for, you know, a worth or living for what God wants us to live for. And I want to share this story. And this is, I think this is uh, kind of what we're talking about. When I was in Mississippi, I went to church with an old older couple, Jimmy and Marilyn Asbill. They were fantastic human beings. And in the Church of Christ, I don't know about y'all's church, but we all got our own little pews, right? Like, you don't sit in my spot and I won't sit in yours. Well, they sat right beside us or right behind us. And they were the sweetest couple that I've ever been around in my life. And they were just loving. It oozed out of them. Well, one night in class, um, I don't know if I asked him or he just told me or the subject came up, but Jimmy Asbill shared his story of how he come to know Christ. And he says that he wasn't born and raised in a house that went to church or, you know, had a strong faith or what have you. But he started going when he was working, he would go to work every day and he had this friend and he said this friend just always had a smile on his face. He always was enthusiastic. He always was upbeat. He always, and he said like, our job wasn't that fun. Like there wasn't anything about our job that was just like, you know, what, what, what are you smiling about? So he would ask him one day, 
He's like, hey, man, you always come to work happy. You always come to work with a smile on your face. You're always upbeat. He's like, I don't get it. What's the what's the deal? Like, I don't I don't I don't understand. And the guy says, man, I would love to share that with you at some point in time over lunch or over supper. Well, they get together one day at lunch or supper and the guy shares with him the story of Christ. This guy comes to work every day filled with the worth of Jesus, filled with the worth of Christ, and is just excited to live the day to be more like, you know, the person who made him. And that's how Jimmy come to know Christ, because this guy was so happy. He didn't preach. He didn't preach to him. He didn't coach him. He didn't do any of that. He lived his life in such a manner that he was glowing and he was glowing in such a manner that Jimmy wanted to know, man, I want to know what's going on. And I think this, I think we can do that. You know, I think we can live life in such a manner that, and I think that's living a life worthy of Christ. I think that's when we do, and I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Like I'm not like, I, I you know, I think when you are there, you start getting these questions from other people about, dude, what's going on? You know, like, what are you, you know, I don't know. And I just thought, I always think of Jimmy and Marilyn Asbill when I think about that, because that's that man at that job, whatever job it was changed that family's life forever because they went on to be, you know, members of a church for a long time and influenced tons of people. And, you know, but he, he gathered that from a guy that was a shining star, you know, that was living, you know, living out what I would consider true, you know, worthiness, you know, of, of living a, a Christ filled life. And I thought, man, there's no telling how many times I think about that guy and I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy that has that light shining so bright that people, and I, you know, I still got, I still got a ways to go and I still plan to get better, you know, but that, that's a great story that I wanted to share just because I think about Jimmy and Marilyn all the time as it relates to that. Yeah, I love that. And the three things that stand out to me from what you guys shared, if I were to try to summarize them as short as possible, it was grace that you shared, Perry. Phil, the, I, re, I literally wrote out the statement. You said, money has made me lazy in my creativity. And you shared a lot of other good things, but I think that that dichotomy compared to what um, Jaeger shared, which is I, I wrote lazy warrior. You know, it's like on one end, I have a tendency to be lazy, but then there's this other possibility of being a warrior. And then the last word is humility. Um, and yeah, I love it. I appreciate you guys sharing and listening to, you know, my thoughts and my journey and um, just trying to package that in a way that it can help others. I appreciate uh, Chris articulating because I'm in the same boat right now on how they connect. You know, uh, I'm so in on the growth mindset stuff. I guess my greatest fear or, or, or thought process is if you have a person that allows you to mentor them, they climb the first mountain, which is fine. They learn the process, which is fine, but it's without Christ and it's unfulfilling where are they at mentally and emotionally and spiritually? And, and that's my kid <clears throat> real quick. We had a all American linebacker my junior year and I was actually a guard, John. So I wasn't always defense, but I was a guard and we had 
by the time we graduated, we had three All-American linebackers and then another kid you hoped you got to block in 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 one-on-ones. Okay. And uh Kevin was getting looked at by scouts. We had scouts in our practice all the time. He was 6'4", about 240. Uh, he'd come from a rough neighborhood, and they sold him. And our coaches, this is not a negative on anybody, but they sold him on cleaning up his act, being a good citizen, being a good student, which he had never been, and being all in on the team. And the kid was, and he was awesome. And my perspective of it, and I'm sure people see it a lot of different ways. Is one night before spring ball, when he had done everything everybody had asked, I feel Kevin found it extremely empty. And Kevin went home from a night at the bar, and he took a 12-gauge because he was big enough, and he stuck it to his chest, and he pulled the trigger. And there was no exit wound because he's a thick man. And he sat on his bed and bled out, didn't call for help. And... That is where, you know, I, I, I see so much of, of growth mindset and being the best you can be is our call from Christ so that we can impact other people along our journey. But it, I'm very intimidated to sell the growth without Christ, mm. if that makes sense. So that, that's just something that's going on in my mind. So Chris sharing what he's shared, uh, uh, triggered that thought and i i don't have the answer yet either so i'm excited to see what you learn and uh hopefully i'm on that text message hey so. you know what the great thing is is that you know in this time we've spent this this morning you know like there have been several thought-provoking ideas that will stick with me for a while you know and that's why it's great to have people that you can throw questions out and you can bounce things around because between the four of us, we're going to come up with better thoughts than probably any of us individually. And, you know, the other thing is this, you know, that I learned from uh, Chris's buddy, the softball coach at Alabama, is we need to affirm other people. Like, you know, you guys are absolutely awesome. You're awesome in how you live your life. You're awesome in your purpose. You're awesome in, you know, you are doing so many things that are so impactful. And sometimes we have trouble, uh, you know, hearing that about ourselves, but it's the truth, you know, like you guys are tremendous in, you know, your impact that you have on me and that you have on other people. And I am grateful and I'm grateful that, you know, I'll get to upload this to the podcast, never stop getting better. And cause I want people to, I want everybody to have a group and I'm sure there's a lot of people that do, but I want them to have a group that, they can get together on a Tuesday morning or a Saturday morning or whatever and spend a little time and bounce ideas off because together we are better, you know, like that's a fact. And the last plug I'm going to give is the book, um, the boys in the boat. Okay. Like I have read the book. I did just listen to the book on the trip to Mississippi and the trip back. It's a phenomenal listen. The guy that reads it is fantastic. So um, it is fantastic. And I've actually got on YouTube, watch several videos as it's related. I'm fired up about going to the movie. Although Dr. Gilbert said the movie doesn't do it justice. So I'm a little, I told doc, I was a little disappointed in that, but um, I think the story of that, of that book is phenomenal. Like Chris said, the, the main guy. And I think this is an intrinsic battle that chance um, Chris feel we all have is we all have this, 
this warrior inside of us that has become what it is because of our life experiences. And, and Joe had that, his life was tough. I mean, it was tougher than ours. Okay. So he had to overcome so much, but then he had to figure out how to fit in, fit into the team because if you can't fit into the team and you can't shine, you can't have this bright light that shines, you're not going to impact other people. You know, like you're going to be thought of as a person that, you know, is, is, is a loner or, you know, you work hard, you're a do-gooder, you're a whatever, but he had to learn how to be a part of one of the greatest teams of all time. And he did, you know, like that is, you know, that is how we become impactful, you know, and, you know, more so, and what we're talking about is living a Christ-centered life that, you know, provides us the ultimate second mountain, you know, and that's what it's really about. So I appreciate you guys. I appreciate your impact on me, on others, and I appreciate you allowing me to record this to upload, okay? And for everybody listening, man, I hope you got something from this. I hope this added value to your life, and I hope you find a group that you can be a part of that can add value to your life because it's extremely important, man. Like we're not meant to be alone. We were not created to be alone. We were created to live in community and finding, you know, your community or finding your group, man, is awesome. And it's added value to my life. So until next time, adios, amigos.